This podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned into the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. Basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. He's the Fratello. Mike Fratello, former NBA head coach, longtime NBA analyst. As good as you get, in my opinion. I'm Jeff Phelps, and we're talking Cleveland Cavaliers basketball right now, and Mike Donovan Mitchell in particular. Obviously, the Cavs, one of three teams in the offseason, who made the whopper of a deal. DeJounte Murray goes to Atlanta, lots of draft picks. Rudy Gobert goes to Minnesota, lots of draft picks. And Donovan Mitchell comes to Cleveland, lots of draft picks, along with Lowry Markkinen and Colin Sexton in this year's first-round draft pick. He's already leading the NBA in minutes played, 39 per game. He has shown, especially when Darius Garland went out, okay, this is what I can do for your team. What do you think of a move like that where, and you, you give up an absolute boatload, Mike, but you bring in a guy who's going to be the centerpiece of your franchise for a number of years to come. You know what a good trade is? A good trade is one that both teams benefit from it. And I'd have to say right now, Utah is extremely happy. Yeah. And the Cavaliers should be very happy. They got an elite player, a player who want look, scoring 50 points. It's not an easy thing to do in an NBA game. This guy's done it two or three times already in the playoffs mm. where it's even harder to do that. It's a, He's a guy that you can give the ball to and say, we need a bucket right now. Go get one for us. Yet, at the same time, he's very unselfish. And he came in uh, to the Cavalier organization saying, I know I have to improve in certain areas, one of which is on the ball defense. I'm going to work at that. And he truly has. He's gotten better at guarding the basketball when it's his man, his responsibility. But then, as you know, there's so much switching nowadays. Who you start out with, very seldom do you wind up with that same guy at the end of a possession because of the screening and cutting and switching that goes on in defenses now. But Donovan Mitchell was an incredible catch. As he admitted, I thought I was going back home to New York because the Knicks had worked so hard, so long in trying to get him. But what happened is the Cavs upped the ante They figured everything out, what they could afford to give away and still be a very good basketball team if they acquired Donovan Mitchell. Those draft picks, if you're going to finish with top five, top eight record in the NBA, how good are those draft picks going to be down the road? Because you're going to be picking at 23 or 24 or 25. So you look at all that and you you weigh it out and you say, this is what we're going to get for it. Uh, And I'm just thinking as uh, we're talking about our previous little bit of conversation about the workload in the 39 minutes for Donovan Mitchell. And I'll say this, I saw a guy last night while I was doing a game. He's 37 years old right now. He's going to be 38 years old on his next birthday, which is coming along very shortly. And soon he will break the all-time scoring record Hmm. in the NBA held by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. His name is LeBron James. And he's played a lot of minutes in his career, but he's worked on his body to maintain the level that he knows he has to be at if he wants to play a lot of minutes and if he wants to be successful. So for a guy like Donovan, it's going to require the same thing, the maintenance of his body, the workouts on days in the off season that other guys may not do, that he's willing to pay the price to do that, to be able to come back the next season and be stronger and last longer and avoid serious injuries that can knock them out for a long period of time. But I don't know if the Cavs really 
knew how good Donovan Mitchell was because, you know, the Eastern Conference only plays the Western Conference teams two times uh, during the course of the season. I got to see Donovan Mitchell a lot doing the Clipper games on TV. This guy is something else. He's explosive. He can handle. He plays at different speeds, which is so important in the NBA. You can go 100 miles an hour when you need to, and yet you can back it off to 75 miles an hour to slow down and get a read and, and get a better feel for what the defense is trying to do at certain times. He's unselfish. He can run the point, make the right decision with the basketball, yet he can score big numbers if you need him on certain nights. He has range on the shot, takes contact going to the basket, makes his free throws. Is he the tallest two-guard slash point guard in the NBA? No, that's 6'2". He's an average-sized guy. There was a guy in Detroit named Joe Dumars that wasn't <laughs> Any bigger than six foot two, but pretty good player. And they won a couple championships with Dumars in the backcourt with Isaiah Thomas. So this is a special guy that Cleveland was able to come up with. Mike, I think one thing that's been really impressive, the Cavs have been able to win eight wins in their first 11 games. While you have two guys who are, you know, high scoring guards, both like having the ball in their hands trying to figure it out together back there, along with trying to get everybody else involved. And when the Mitchell trade happened, Darius Garland was all excited about it. He was giddy about it. Donovan Mitchell was happy to be coming in and playing with Darius Garland. That's all well and good. Their intentions are terrific, but still you have to get out there on the floor and figure out how to play together. And then Darius's eye injury doesn't help that speed up that process at all, yet they've been winning. How difficult is it or, or is it not to have, a couple of guys like that who are smaller guards, both are, are scorers, both can pass the ball and develop that chemistry that ultimately, Mike, you're going to have to have to get to where you want to be. I think the key word you just said is develop because when a guy comes in new to the organization, you can say what you want uh, as a coaching staff. You know, we watch hours and hours of tape of when, Donovan played for Utah and stuff that they ran for him. And maybe we'll implement part of that. However, having said that, it's still not him on the court with the chemistry, with the feel for his backcourt partner, who he has watched from afar, but being at practice every day, being in the starting backcourt together. Uh, a couple of things that you have to guard against. You have to guard against two guards that can be that dominant if they're not willing to share the basketball. Then you get three other guys standing around watching them play the game and the other guys aren't involved in the game. So you have to trust these people that they're going to move the ball. And this all comes through that communication process with the head coach. JB does an incredible job of letting the players understand what he wants, what he believes in and how they have to play. And it's not just the team meetings where stuff comes up. It's the individual meetings that either JB or one of his assistant coaches has the assignment of sit down with whoever and let's get this message across to him so he understands we can be really good if we move the ball, if we move bodies, and if we pass the ball to the guy who's got the best shot. And if you make a decision and pass the ball and that guy's got a good shot, but one more pass leads to a better shot, then that's what we need to do. And that's how you get all five guys involved the unselfishness of that player. It has to do with the character, the basketball mentality of those two guys. Both of these players will make plays for their teammates willingly and are happy when it leads to a score for their teammates. They both understand. 
the ball in basketball always seems to wind up back in the hands of the best players on the team. So those two guys understand they're going to have the ball in their hands so much of the time. But now, how do you get the other guys productive? How do you get them to stay involved in the game? And that's by making things happen with the ball that all of a sudden you can reward them and give them an open shot, an open look. It's no fun for a player in the NBA with two seconds remaining on the 24 seconds clock that your teammate suddenly goes, oh, God, I don't have a shot. Here, you take it. And Good luck. The ball <laughs> and they go create something. <laughs> your guy's like, well, how about give me yeah. a few more seconds next time? So all this has to be worked out. And that's the process that they're going through right now. It doesn't happen in 10, 11, 12 games. It takes time. I always said around the 20 game mark, a coach, GM, that's when they should have a pretty good feel of here's who we are, here's who I can use and trust, and we should kind of know each other at that point. I know 20 sounds like a lot. It's a quarter of the season. Yeah. That's it. You mentioned get the other guys involved. Evan Mobley in his rookie year, Mike, showed that he has the potential to become a really big-time player. Does he have to be patient? Do the coaches have to be patient? Do Darius and and Donovan have to figure it out first between them before they bring everybody else along? We, we've seen it in spurts. You know, Karis LeVert had a 40-point a, a game. Karis had a 20-point game, very effective against Sacramento. We've seen Evan Mobley have big games. But I don't know that it's the consistency that the Cavaliers want yet. Do Darius and Donovan have to figure it out first, or how does that all mesh? Well, I think Mobley, uh, coming back in the beginning of the season, I'm not sure he knew totally how much they wanted him to assert himself because here you all of a sudden you take on an all-star guard, a guy who's going to be in the top 10 scores in the NBA all season long. You pair him up with Darius, who was an all-star guard last year. The youngster's saying, how much should I do? How many shots should I try to get during the course of the game? So if you think back, maybe games one through four, Mobley kind of sat back a little bit and was not overly assertive. If the ball came to him, fine. But then you had games like recently where, how about the game where both Darius okay, and Donovan were out and they go up to, was that Detroit, I believe? It was Detroit, they yeah. Go up in, decision by the coaching staff is we're going to pound Detroit inside. And, hey, Allen, Mobley, Love, um, Wade, you guys, we're coming at you tonight with the basketball. We need you to get us points. We've got over 45, 50 points sitting out in our backcourt right now. So as a result of that, just a great job of executing offense, big men to big men passing on the inside. Our big guys were really involved uh, in that game, and they got a win at Detroit. So it says something about in time, you figure it out, you figure your spots out on the floor, you can't have Mobley all the time down on the low post because then there's no room for Allen down there. You don't want Allen shooting jumpers from the top of the circle all night. So you figure all that out. Who would you rather have between the two of them? If Kevin Love's not on the floor, you know that we're fine with Love behind the three-point line. But those two other big men on the inside, which one of those two are you more comfortable with? Right now, it seems that Mobley's the choice. And Mobley works hard every day after practice at him increasing his range because they understand he's got to be a threat from the three-point line when he's on the floor with Allen and Love is not out there on the floor to open up the defenses that are going to play against them.